0: Okay, how, how many of you um, know we do something called Truth Quest? Yeah? You should do some of, Oh, well, good, Jo does, that's good because she's doing it at the moment. But this is, a, we, we did a trial run a few years ago and then we changed it and modified it and we've now done a couple of years of uh, training, taking a few people and taking them on a journey uh, from where they're at and teaching them how to teach, preach, And minister at the front of church. And uh, we've uh, fantastic people who've done this before. We've had, um, obviously, from last year, we've got uh, Sarah who's preaching regularly, Lorraine who ministers regularly, uh, and we've already had Nikki from this year's batch, and we've got a new one this morning. And as you can see, he's really nervous in a South African sort of way. So we've got a blessing this morning. We've got Jurgen's. Um, for his first preach. I don't want to, like, who do it, but Cheryl said you need to pray for him. So, <laughs> so I'm going to pray for you, Jurgen's. Yes. Yeah, Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jurgen's. We thank you for his heart. And we thank you for this wonderful message he's got that, that I've already heard a few times. So it's going to be good, guys. So we thank you for that. And we praise you. Amen. Amen.
1: I'm going to pray as well. Father God, just thank you that we can come together here today. And um, Father, I just pray that you will make our eyes sensitive to see you and our ears sensitive to hear you. Um, Our hands ready to serve you and our feet ready, Father, to carry your truth, Father. But I pray that you will rain down, Father, in your Holy Spirit today and that you will fall into fertile ground, Father God. And this word, Father God, will carry fruit, Father, and will enable us, Father God. And as this word is, is really changing me, Father, every day, um, Father, I pray that this will also have an impact, Father God, to the wider body. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. So, so the first question I'm going to ask you is, have you ever... Walk down an aisle at a shop doing shopping at Tesco or Aldi, right? Doing, sho- doing shopping, 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 and then you come just before the check in and you just quickly have a sweet year. My, the other thing is, have you ever come to a place where you, where you sometimes regret a certain action that came out impulsively? Right? Maybe a burst out of anger. Can anybody relate? And you think out beforehand where did that come from? This impulse: I did not have control over that, right? Or worship in church, full of emotion, full of happiness, two hours later, completely down. right? Sounds familiar, Right. then this is what I'm going to be talking about. so for those of you that don't know me I'm I'm Juergens, um Jurgens Peters. I'm a medical doctor by background, so uh, a little bit of a scientist at heart. Um, and I got to know God when I was 16 years old, right, for the first time, really intense. It was a lovely journey. Um, you know, as I started spending time with God more and more, I had a hunger, and I spent massive amounts of time with him. Um, got to know the Word, able to quote Scripture, and it, it really became life in me, right? And saw many miracles. I mean, at the age of 16, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, and it just went on. And, 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 and then I got to university. <laughs> um, you know, and, and as I got to university, you know, still continued spending time with God, you know, had a fantastic church, fantastic pastor, beautiful journey. But as I left that bubble of university... You know, plenty of word. I uh, ventured into the life, of my own um, c- career started becoming a little bit more important. <laughs> Sounds familiar? Right? Um, and what happened was I started spending less time with God, spending less time with Him, and eventually um, got myself in a very strange place, reaching a plateau, always becoming nostalgic when I hear Christian music, anything, you know, the past. The past was like that. The past was like that. I've I've experienced God, but what's happening now? Kind of this desert island. Um, You know, it was only until 2018 when I arrived back in the UK that, you know, and and by that time I kind of started building up a little bit of resentment. uh, Became a little bit smart and, you know, full of pride and, you know, arguing, you know, so often against the Word, you know, and, um, you know, a little bit skeptic. And and, and I was standing in a friend's house in Foxton, and he had this beautiful picture on his wall saying, the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit is joy, kindness, long-suffering, patience. And I kind of had an impulsive moment, and I became critical, and I asked him, what do you mean by the fruits of the spirit, (laughs) mate? You know, we're human beings, we've got physical brains, and our brains determine our actions, right? So if we make decisions with our brains, we decide, decide with our brains, our actions, right? So we decide how we want to behave physically, and here you want to come and call it the fruits of the Spirit, right? So, but the beautiful thing was that, you know, the skeptic in me, only by the grace of God, and I need to say that, you know, that, that moment took me on a journey where I, where I had to go and investigate. What is going on here? So, literally, the, say, next morning, I started downloading a couple of audiobooks. And I started listening to every piece of psychology that I can get my hands on. Started reading more of the Word, trying to understand how, how, how does all of this work, the spirituality, brain, science. Um, and, and, and maybe I'm going to share with you today what I've learned over the last five years and how this is still changing me. I'm by no, by no means a finished product. <laughs> Ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. Um, so, so, so let's just quickly. Look at this. So, so the title of my, my um, um, talk today is Conscious Discipleship, right? And basically, what does it mean to be a disciple? How does the concept of discipleship link up with the ability to carry fruit, spiritual fruit, right? And how that all tracks back to our physical decision-making process, from a day-to-day life, right? So that we can become disciples. So let's look at the first scripture here. Go therefore, the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, right? And lo, I'll be with you until the end of the day, until the end of age. So, go therefore and make disciples. Disciple, what does that mean? Disciple, in the Greek word is metetis, and it means to observe, to teach, but also to be a follower and allow people to follow you, right? So, it's essentially leadership, right? You know? And all leaders need to be answering upwards, managing upwards, following, but also in that same concept and effect, allow people to observe them and follow them, right? But you've got to have that understanding of all nations. I mean, I always thought this is, you know, go and preach in Uganda, go to Timbuktu, South Africa. And while all of those things are correct, this word is ethnos, nations. And that actually refers to worldview, ideology. Right? You know, and we live in a day and an age where we carry different ideologies. (laughs) Um, You know, dark is now celebrated as light, and light is celebrated as darkness, you know, and it causes confusion, and, you know, people are afraid to talk, and, you know, it's like, what's happened? There's certain conflicting ideologies. And God says here, go therefore and be a leader, follow me, allow people to follow you for every ideology doesn't matter what ideology people hold right very relevant in today's age and baptizing them teaching them to observe all that i've taught you so let's look at john 15 and this is most likely my favorite scripture in the whole bible this is this is pure gold i mean there's so much detail in here i'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Obviously, it's painful when you get pruned, right? You're already clean because of the word that I have spoken upon you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You hear what I'm saying? You need to be situated in me, right? You need to be planted in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You see the theme from Mark's speeches over the last few weeks here as well? But but by this my Father is glorified, not myself, my Father. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Right? As the Father loved me, I have also loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And it goes on, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no one seen of this than to lay down his own life for his friends this is my commandment not commandments one commandment that you love one another as i have loved you and that essentially summarizes 1 corinthians 13 when he talks about what is love and patience and you know not self-centered it's love What's the fruit of the Spirit? Self-sacrifice. It's love, right? You know, you can use different words to conceptualize and different words to describe, but it boils down to one word, which is love. And you did not choose me, but by His grace, I chose you and I appointed you. I appointed you. I've anointed you. I've covered you. I've commissioned you to go and bear fruit, right? And these things I command to you, that you love one another. The question here is, um, looking at this, is what does that mean? And I've touched upon this just very quickly. But basically, let's look at Jesus. You know, and I would say that Jesus, Jesus was maybe the master disciple. He was the exemplar of what a disciple looks like because he followed God. <laughs> he listened to what God said. He did exactly as his father said right? And if the Father told him to keep quiet, kept quiet. I find that difficult, right? Now, I really do. You know, bubbling personality, and sometimes God tells me to keep quiet, but then I'm impulsive, and I just go, and I just talk, and oh dear, do I find myself in trouble, right? And, and I really mean this, right? And often, you know, I make decisions, you know, and I, and I sin, and, and I'm impulsive, and like, why do I not carry the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's because I don't listen to God. It's because I don't spend time with God. It's because I don't know what the Word of God says. And therefore, I'm not able to be observant or to listen or to hear, right? But here's the most beautiful thing, you know, John 15, 5, 19. Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. Here, Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, still saying, I can do nothing by myself, but only what I see the Father do, for whatever He does, the Son does in like manner. Similar way, right? Now He comes in now as, as disciple, the master disciple, He's now inviting us to come and follow Him. Right? So He's following the Father, fully man, fully God, inviting us to follow Him, and as we follow Him, We need to make a decision, right? And that decision, he says, will cost you. (laughs) It will cost you, right? For some, it will bear a larger cost. For some, a lesser cost. For some, it will mean just to give up a worldview that you hold true. For some, it will mean to give up pride. For some, it will mean to sell your house and move to another country. It's all unique to that circumstance. But you will not be able to understand or to know what that cost is unless you listen and observe and spend time with Him to trust Him, right? And this is an everyday decision. It's not a once-off, right? But the beautiful thing here is says, He says that my grace is sufficient. He says, forever has a teachable heart, To him, more understanding will be given. And whoever does have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. Right? So the more we seek for God, the more we desire to follow him, the more we will gain understanding, and that understanding will illuminate us and help us further so that we can bear fruit. Now, This is another favorite of mine. Next scripture. Um, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. And we often skip that, right? Because the mind is what determines our actions, remember? The mind is the physical part of our body, that determines how we operate, and that will allow us to have certain behaviors that can be classified or described as the fruit of the Spirit. But now, if we think about the mind, where does all of that sit into, right? So, back to basics. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit, right? The soul is the will, the emotions, And the personality. Then we have the flesh, which seeks to sin all the time. Ask my wife. Right? And then we have the spirit. If born again, which is God-centered and longing to be with God and longing to be fed by the spirit of life. And constantly there's this tension between all these aspects. In the soul, the tension between the will and the emotions and the personality. In the flesh, you know, I just want to sin my flesh. And, you know, my spirit is just yearning. I just want to be with God. Right? Constant tension. And this is the way that I will maybe describe this, right? You know, it's like, and then we can ask ourselves the question, but which part of my soul will then determine my spiritual experience in the way that I operate so that I can carry fruit and be a disciple? Now, if we look at this triangle here, you can see Emotions is on the one side, right, as part of your soul. Emotions is fluctuating. It's dependent on an external stimulus. There is increase of dopamine, drop of dopamine, and it's up and down. And often we come to a, to a church service, I would even say, and I've done that often, worship, 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 high emotions drop down, right, because I'm depending on my emotions and I'm conflating my emotional experience with what my spiritual experience is right but then we have the will we can be can be self-centered but you can make a decision to follow Christ and to follow your spirit and here's the most important part is, is that once you become born again Christian and you decide to follow God the holy spirit comes and in, live inside of you right live inside with you. He becomes your friend. And as he lives inside of you, you've got a direct connection of power to the Holy Spirit, and that can minister from the inside out to your mind. And what happens? You can then make decisions that is conducive of fruit. Right? Right? Let's look at modern science for a, for a moment. I love this guy, Daniel Kahneman. He won the Nobel Prize for Behavioral Economics. One of the books that I've read, so by the way, on this journey. And he talks about the brain that works in two systems. System one is the automatic part of our brain, right? So we've driven all driven cars. Come to autopilot? Yes? Thinking about my wife, my children, you know, driving, going through the road. Autopilot. Not thinking, not focusing. It just happens. It's subconscious. Or, the example that I used, you know, be in a conversation and just impulsively flip anger without control. It's like a shortcut that happens. That's system one. We have system two. System two is more deliberate. There's no impulsivity at all. It's thought through. It's meditative. And the error rate is far less than the error rate that you will get from system one, which is automatic. Does this make sense? System two is this kind of self-meditative, self-control long-suffering, choosing the long-term win over short-term gain versus this impulsive, me-now, automatic, error-prone, okay? That's modern science. So, by the way, if I say 2 plus 2, you say 4. 4 plus 4, 8. But if I say 8 plus 8 minus 2 divided by 3 multiplied by 100... And that's a good example. Let's say, for example, it was 200. I wouldn't know because I haven't done the calculations. But let's say, for example, it was 200. What is that an indication of? This is somebody they trained their system to well enough to actually very quickly make the math and they can draw back. And that becomes the new system one, the new automatic. And that's the beauty. And I'm so thankful for that, whether you're right or wrong. (laughs) Right? Because what this does is it just puts puts into perspective what we can do with, with the word. And I'm going to touch back on that in a second. But, but why is this system one and system two also a problem, right? Because, again, we live in a day and an age where there's multiple sources that's trying to get our attention all the time. We've got social media, for the above 50s Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, LinkedIn, spinning hours and hours of time watching these contents, you know, feeding our souls, our hearts, our minds all the time. And what happens is that, you know, we also often come to a place where uh, governments might might have messages that they want to provide to us, right? You know, and 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 and, and news agencies report on, on messages. And, and what can happen is that these things can become overwhelming if you do not look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Right? And it can cause anger and anxiety, and and, and it can often lead to us rejecting Christ, right? And that's why it's important to train our system, too, in a very deliberate manner. So here's the question that I'd like to ask, right? What is the antidote to a fleshly, emotionally-led spiritual experience, number one? And how can we learn the, take the learnings from modern science to set up, uh, set ourselves up as being solid followers of Christ, right? And I love Sarah's example here because this is exactly what we can do, right? And let me take you through this. The, The Bible says here: "For the word is quick, alive, and powerful, and it is sharper than any." two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul, personality, will, emotions, and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, the flesh. So the Word of God is here to discern where are we in our decision-making process, and it reveals to us. What's the intentions of our hearts? Because it says it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Covering every single aspect that he used earlier. And he says, love me with all your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength. Coming here, the word of God is able and powerful, sharper than any 2 its short, piercing through the divining asana of the soul, the spirit, the joints, the marrow. And it's a discerner of the intents of the heart. So I would argue that's the antidote, right? That's the antidote to help us living a full spiritual experience and move away from system one which is error prone and constantly in the sinful nature towards a place where we can meditate, draw from the word, feed our unconscious and once there's a shortcut in our brains, at least we can pull from the word and we can use the error of our decision making process to our benefit because what will happen, that will become the new system one and therefore, our behaviors will change, and the fruits of the Spirit will follow, right? Another beautiful scripture, it says, do not be conformed by the, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does John 15 say is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God, that we love one another. So that process starts with our mind. So by loving God with our minds also, feeding ourselves with the Word of God and spending time with Him, we now establish ourselves and set ourselves up to a place where we can actually carry fruit and become disciples. And why do I say this? Because once we carry fruit, people around us will say, I can taste taste that the Lord is good. Right? It's beautiful. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. So this can only happen by the Spirit. I can read the Bible as much as I want, (laughs) but if my Spirit is not alive, and connected with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will not be able to be in a place to transform me. Right? But once the Spirit is alive in me, and I allow Him to change me, and I set aside my pride, what will happen is, we will be transformed. The other thing that will happen is, we will be able to look at the Word of God, and discern the intents of the heart. You know, recently, a good example, recently, you know, I'm not going to go into the detail, but Ani and myself had an important decision to make. Obviously, we were just like, this is the, the path we need to follow very quickly. And the moment we started looking into the Word and what the Word says, the more <laughs> the Word changed us, the more it ministered to us, and it elevated and separated our own thoughts, our own fears, uncertainties, experiences from what the Word says. And we were fully able then to make a decision to follow God. You know, how uncomfortable that decision was for us. And it was the right decision at the time because we just had peace. But if it wasn't for the Word of God, we would not be able to discern what's our own fears, right? And therefore, we might have made the wrong decision with negative fruit, right? Now you're going to ask the question, how does this relate to conscious discipleship? Right. Let me take you back to John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. We make a conscious decision to spend time with God, to override our subconscious, and to program and reprogram our subconscious, so that in the moment of need, we can pull from the Scripture in a live way to change our behaviors, and we can make accurate decisions. Next next Scripture. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit shall remain. He appointed us to do that, and it's almost an instruction. Spend time with me and be transformed. And before I go on, discipleship starts with knowing God. Right. And I've mentioned this, but this is just a summary slide to say, We need to meditate on the Word, and we need to have a relationship with Christ, right? Um, We need to get to know Him and then taste that God is good, but also then operate in a fashion so that other people can taste and see that God is good. We need to be able to experience that He's reliable and we can trust Him so other people can also trust us, right? And follow His direction so other people can follow us. Right. But here's a big question. This is all good and well, right? But what if your spirit is not alive? Right? Then I would say and even argue that the spiritual dimension of this triangle becomes irrelevant. Because then the fight is only between the will and the emotions all the time. And that causes a lot of turmoil because where's the life? It's dead. Your spirit needs to be alive. Right? And I would even say that, you know, there might be might be two groups of people here. Yeah. Right? A group like myself that my spirit is alive, and it was a life in 2018, but I just neglected my spirit and didn't feed it. I didn't spend time with God, and I prioritized all the other stuff that the world gives me before my first love. It might also be a group of people, even one or two in your heart, that you think, oh dear, my spirit is not alive. Either you've gone to church and do tradition and religion, or never actually came to the place that you can walk in a relationship with God and experience what is the the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit once He comes to live in you and start experiencing and see and taste that the Lord is good. Right? And at this moment, I would like to ask you, perhaps just to close your eyes, please. Let's do that. And if you may be one of the first group like myself, and I often find myself there still, you know, that do not spend enough time with God and meditate on His Word and are not able to then fully follow God and carry the fruit that we so much wish, Or if you're part of the second group that do not know God at all. Maybe it's a concept in your mind. Maybe it's a, a figment of your imagination. Maybe he's in the same bucket of, as, as Father Christmas, right? Or maybe maybe not. Maybe you may have certain questions. And I'd just like to ask with everybody's eyes closed and everybody's heads down, just to respect that, just to, just to raise your hand if, you, if maybe in any one of those groups. This is just for us so that we can pray for you. Simply just to pray for you, right? It's not to shame you at all. Thank you. And if you've in one of those groups and you've raised your hands, I'm going to quickly pray, and I just pray that you will pray after me, you know. And after this prayer, I also ask that you will come to either myself or to Mark or to your spouse or your friend after the service. And also to say that you have responded to this message because this is where you are on that journey because it's important that we verbalize and it's important that we communicate once we have made a decision because that's where the life is in the commitment. So let's pray. Father God, I just pray. Thank you, first of all, that your Holy Spirit is here. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you... You guide, Father God, and your words are the ones that bring life, Father, not my words. Father God, you are the one that convicts, Father God. You are the one that saves because you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to die on the cross, and you're risen from the dead so that we can have life, Father, so that we can have grace, though we need to count the cost, Father. Thank you, Father. And I pray now that for everybody that raised their hands, just to pray after me. Father God, everybody, can I I ask you just to pray after me? Father God, Father, I pray, first of all, to say thank you for your cross. I believe with my heart, with my mind, my soul, and my strength, that you are God and that your son died for me on the cross and that he was risen from the dead and that he's given us power to be disciples and to carry his word in this world. I therefore pray, Father, forgive me my sins, please. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me, reset me, Father God. And I thank you that you will help me to carry fruit. And so I can follow you and I can become a disciple too. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. So if, if you were maybe one of the ones that responded, I would really encourage you just to come and speak to us, one, one of us here in the front so we can pray for you. If you feel that you don't want to come to the front, please speak to somebody around you in your network and communicate the decision that you've made. Right. But carry that with you. Carry the commitment, and this is my commitment as well, that I'll, I'll spend more time with God because it's the only way we can be changed thank you
0: thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah. <laughs> thank you Really good. Can have the worship team back, wherever they've gone. You know, um, in some ways, Christianity is really simple. Um, but we focus on the wrong things. Because Christianity is about a relationship with the Saviour. And knowing him and we can only do that through his word and through the spirit but we we kind of surround that with all sorts of activity don't we and all sorts of things that we think we've got to do and we get all confused and but right at his heart it's about jesus and it's about what he asked us to do and uh, that's why we exist as a church to to help people and show people how to do that to follow him trust in him with faith and to see what jesus says we can see because his desire is to bless us he's a good god his desire is to get things to us and all that complication we surround it with stops him getting it to us sometimes so we just keep it simple keep our eyes on jesus And keep our eyes on his word, know his word, meditate his word, live from his word. Actually do what it says in there. And life's different when you do that. The problems aren't different, but the solutions are there. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all your blessings. And as we look forward to this week, we praise you. And we glorify your name. Amen.